0: Good evening. So, uh, yeah, tonight we're um, continuing. That's very loud. Um, Or it's very loud to me. Um, Continuing our um, journey through Joshua. Um, The story so far actually goes back a long way. Um, The people of Israel um, were led out of Egypt. Um, God basically did all the work. The people literally had to be obedient and walk. Um, they went past Sinai, received the Ten Commandments, and came to Canaan. Um, before they entered the land, Moses sent twelve spies in to um, have a look around. Those spies included Joshua and Caleb, as young men. But the other ten spies were frightened, and they came back and they gave a report, and the people were were afraid and refused to go in. So God led them back out into the wilderness for another 40 years until that whole generation had passed on, except for Joshua and Caleb. So now they're back 40 years later. The the old generation has moved on. And so God gives them these instructions in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 7, he says basically, destroy all the inhabitants, kill everybody. Destroy their cities, destroy their places of worship, destroy their poles and their altars and their gods and everything. Don't be tempted by the gold and the silver. Get rid of it. Because the practices of those people were abhorrent to God. We're not really told what they were, but we've seen through history some of the things that they did were, in fact, horrible and totally abhorrent. And so God wanted the place cleansed. Um, Now, the people of Israel were also told in Deuteronomy 20 that they could make treaties with people outside the Promised Land. The people within the Promised Land that they were going to inherit had to be got rid of, but people further out they could make treaties with. And if those people surrendered, they could be treated as slaves. They could be allowed to live, but they would have to serve Israel. But within Israel, no dice, or within what would become Israel. And the reason for that, the author tells us, is so that they may not teach you to do all the abhorrent things that they do for their gods, and thus you would sin against the Lord your God. Now, from our modern perspective, this seems kind of extreme. You know, literally genocide. Seven nations were doomed to genocide. And for us in the 21st century, we look at that and we think, yeah, that's a bit harsh. But really that's about God's holiness. You know, we often talk about God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. But there is another aspect to God as well. He is totally holy. He is totally righteous. And sin has no place in there. It has no place in that. And what this text teaches us is how seriously God takes the problem of sin and so the people of Israel they entered Canaan um, entered Canaan and they destroyed Jericho Uh, and again God does all the work you know they were told walk around the city once a day for six days on the seventh day walk around it seven times sorry it's a bit far but you'll get over it and at the end of the last one everybody shout and so they did that they were obedient and again, God worked the miracle. And so they defeat Jericho. But then Achan sins. Achan is tempted by the gold he sees and he takes some. And then the people go up to attack Ai and they are just defeated. And they all scratch their heads and go, what's going on here? And again, it's about the seriousness of sin. Sin has no place in God's kingdom. That was why they were told to destroy everything. That's why they were told to cleanse the promised land. God knew that Israel would be tempted. If those people were left there, God knew they would be tempted and that they would fail. And we do the same things, don't we? I'm not standing here pointing the finger in judgment at Israel, because we are just as guilty. We sin, we fail all the time. We are meant to be out there changing the world. We are meant to be out there being an example, but so often, the world changes us, doesn't it? James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphans and widows in their distress, and keep oneself unstained by the world. True religion, true worship to God, is love. Love in action. Love is a verb. Love is a doing word. Love is not an abstract concept. The example James gives us is looking after the orphans and the widows. We are meant to be out there doing love. And while we're out there, being unstained by the world. If Israel was going to be a holy nation, if Israel was going to be a priestly kingdom, They had to be unstained by the world they lived in. And that is why God gave them that such extreme command. That is why they had to go in and clear out the land. So if you'd turn with me now to um, Joshua chapter 9. We'll read today's text. So, now when all the kings who were beyond Jordan in the hill country... And in the lowland, all along the coast of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hebites, and the Jebusites heard of this. They gathered together with one accord to fight Joshua and Israel. Now, interesting thing to note, prior to this, every time the nations heard about Israel, they were afraid. They did not attack Israel. They withdrew behind their walls and they hid. They only defended themselves when Israel attacked. Now we have seven kings banding together to form an alliance to attack Israel. So what's changed? Obviously what they heard was about I, about the defeat of Israel. They now thought that Israel could be defeated. Let's carry on. But when the inhabitants of Gideon heard what Joshua had done to a uh, Gibeon, sorry, had done to Jericho and I, they on their part acted with cunning. They went and prepared provisions, took worn-out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn and mended, with worn-out patched sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes, and their provisions were dry and moldy. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the Israelites, We've come from a far country, so now make a treaty with us. But Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us, then how can we make a treaty with you? They said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you, and where do you come from? They said to him, Your servants have come from a very far country, because the name of the Lord your God For we have heard report of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, King Shehon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. So our elders and the inhabitants of our country said to us, take provisions in your hand for the journey, and go and meet them, and say to them, we are your servants." Come now, make a treaty with us. Here is our bread. It was still warm when we took it from our houses as food for this journey. On the day we set out to come to you, but now see it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, and see they're burst, and these garments, these sandals of ours, they're worn out from this very long journey. So the leaders partook of their provisions and did not ask direction from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, guaranteeing their lives by treaty, and the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. So obviously the Gibeonites had heard God's instructions to the Israelites. They knew that they could make treaties with people from far away, outside the promised land. And so they posed as travelers I don't know how the word got around. They probably didn't have Facebook. Or maybe the Israelites, as they're walking out of Egypt, were on Twitter. Who knows, but word had spread. Everybody knew that the Israelites were coming. And so these people, they lied. Now, deceit, unfortunately, was not uncommon in the ancient Near East when making treaties. There's a whole bunch of letters that have been um, uncovered in Egypt from this part of the world sent to Egypt. And there's quite a lot of deceit going on. Um, So it unfortunately wasn't uncommon. But Israel was sucked in. They did not ask direction from the Lord. Maybe it was pride. Maybe, you know, their recent successes with I, now that they'd found the sin and repented. Who knows? We're not told. But they seem to have forgotten their failures. And so in this instance, they just made a decision. They did not ask direction from the Lord. Verse 16, But when three days had passed, and they had made a treaty with them, the Israelites heard that they were their neighbors and living among them. And so the Israelites set out and reached their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Chephra, Beroth, and that other place. And the Israelites did not attack them. Because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders. We'd never do that, would we? But the leaders said to the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we must not touch them. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that the wrath may not come upon us because of the oath we swore to them. The leaders said to them, let them live. So they became hewers of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation as the leaders had decided concerning them. Now that um, treatment of the Gibeonites was in fact consistent with the instructions given by God in Deuteronomy before the people entered uh, entered the promised land. Remember he said, the people who live far away, if they surrender to you, let them live, but make them slaves. And that too was consistent with the practice of the day. Now, we do know later on in uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 21, Saul actually tried to wipe out the Gi- Gibeonites because of, we're told, his passion for the people. And so he actually attacked them and he tried to kill them all. And then a famine came on the land for three years. And that famine lasted until King David approached the Gibeonites and actually um, made reconciliation with them. So that oath was serious. Okay, verse 22, Joshua summoned them and said to them, Why did you deceive us, saying, We, we are very far from you, when in fact you are living right among us? Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you will always be slaves, hewers of wood, drawers of water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua, Because it was told to your servants for a certainty that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land. and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. So we were in great fear for our lives because of you, and we did this thing. And now we are in your hand, do as it seems good, and right in your sight to do to us. This is what he did for them. He saved them from the Israelites, and they did not kill them. But on that day Joshua made them hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to continue to this day, in the place that he should choose. So Kate and I had a holiday recently. We went to the Sunshine Coast. I We borrowed a car off um, Jack and Mandy, who used to be who used to live here. And we got our little phone out and stuck it on a windscreen mount there and set up Mr. Google to show us where to go. And one night we were coming back from Malulabar, um, going to Makula places. Um, And the GPS said, there's four lanes. You need to be in the second one. And I'm looking out the window, and there's three lanes. And you can't argue with Mr. Google. Have you noticed this? You cannot argue with the GPS. And so I'm frantically trying to decide which lane I should be in. And there's a car in my blind spot. And I should have been in that lane. And suddenly, we're on the motorway heading south and we wanted to be heading north. I'm pretty sure my GPS muttered a few things under its breath and then fairly calmly said, recalculating. And so we headed down the motorway and off the off-ramp and across the thing and down the other side and over there and a few weird turns and suddenly we were back where we started. Life is not like that. Life, you can't rewind and replay. Now, the Israelites made a decision. They should have sought direction from the Lord. They didn't. Who knows what would have happened if they did? We don't know because it didn't happen. But we do know, looking forward, both Rahab and Gibeon both recognize the sovereignty of Yahweh. They both asked for mercy. And God included both of them, the Gibeonite people and Rahab, into his people. God used Israel's mistake in this case for his purposes. We know from Romans, Paul writes that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. God uses our mistakes as well as our successes for his glory. Paul writes all things, not just the good things. And so God used this And he included um, the Gibeonite people into Israel. Now, initially they served as slaves. Initially they served the people of Israel, but um, Joshua included service in the temple. They drew water for the ritual cleansing. They uh, They cut the firewood for the altars, as well as serving the people of Israel. And in fact, several hundred years later in Nehemiah, when the people of Israel came back from exile, The Gibeonites were listed among the people of Israel who returned to build or to rebuild Jerusalem. God used this mistake to include these people into his kingdom. Now, I just want to draw a couple of things out of the text tonight. In Exodus 19, verse 6, God tells Israel that they are supposed to be a priestly kingdom. They're supposed to be a holy nation. They're supposed to be an example to the world. We, the church, the new Israel, if you like, are meant to be a light to the world, hope in a dark world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. We are called, like Israel, to be an example to the world. Our greatest commandment, Christ tells us, is to love God and to love others as ourselves. James tells us that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Our religion, the thing we do, the thing we are called to do, is to demonstrate God's love to a world that needs it. We are called to emulate Christ in how we live, in our day-to-day lives. The reason the people of Israel were told to destroy all the inhabitants of Canaan was so that Israel would not be tempted, so that Israel would not fall, so they could be an example to the world, so that they could demonstrate that God's way of life is better than the world's. We, the church, are supposed to demonstrate Christ's love. We are to be untainted by the world while we were out in it. We are to bring hope to a hurting world. Israel, through their history, failed time and time again. But God reached out to them. He didn't treat them as they deserved. The Gibeonites made a treaty with the Israelites through trickery. They lied. But God accepted them anyway. How often do we fail? How often do we get it wrong? How often do we forget to seek direction from the Lord? How often do we compromise truth? How often do we water down the gospel because we don't want to be offensive? How often do we fail to reach God's standard? God is truly righteous. God is truly holy. He is perfectly just. He cannot ignore sin. He can't. To deny, to to ignore the sin is to deny part of who he is. And so it was the combination of righteousness and love that led God to die in our place. God provided the solution to the problem of sin. Even though the Gibeonites lied Even though we fail to reach God's standards, God accepts us where we are at. He doesn't expect us to stay there, but he reaches us where we are at and then draws us on a journey with him. The Gibeonites started out marked for death. They deceived the Israelites and God took them into his people. And several hundred years later, they were part of Israel. We don't have to be perfect to come to Christ. He reaches to us in our imperfection. But there are still consequences. Even though we are forgiven, even though we forgive others, our sin has consequences. The impact of our actions, the impacts of our words remain. We can't just reprogram the GPS and circle back and have another go. You can't if you're playing cards, just click F2 and deal another deck. Once these guys realized their mistake, they couldn't take it back. They couldn't undo the oath they had made. But they didn't make it worse. They returned to God's command, which was, make them slaves, let them live. They continued from that point in obeying God. The second point I want to make is we have to deal or have to play the cards we're dealt. We can't change the past, but we can choose how we respond now. We may have made mistakes, and, okay, I have. I can't change those, but I can choose how I respond going forward. The people of Israel wanted to try and undo that treaty, but the leaders wouldn't let them. They honored God's word. We were talking about this at lunch. You know, it seems a bit unfair. These guys, they came and they lied. They deceived Israel. They cheated. It's not fair. And yet God accepted them anyway. They used Israel's pride against them. They still won. But see, God doesn't care about the past. When he forgives us, that forgiveness is total. The forgiveness is complete. The consequences might still exist. The Gibeonites were still slaves, and I don't know for how long. But they did eventually become not slaves. They did eventually become part of the people of Israel. See, God's ways are not our ways. Our sense of justice is marred by our humanity. And when we think about it from God's perspective, is it fair that Christ bore our guilt? Is it fair that Christ took our place? So who are we then to decide that the Gibeonites shouldn't have been allowed in? See, we have a choice in every situation. We can try and be just. In our human way, like the people of Israel wanted to be. Or we can treat others like Christ treated us. We can seek the direction of the Lord, or we can push ahead in our own wisdom. We can't change the past, but we do have to play the cards we're dealt. So when we look at our town, When we look at Alice Springs at the moment, I'm sure you all see a lot of problems. We live in a very complex situation, Um, a situation where we, are, most of us, I think tonight, are relative newcomers, and there are original inhabitants who've lived here a lot longer than we have. Many of the cards in this situation were dealt long before we were born. But the consequences of those actions are with us today. The wrongs of the past are many. It was Corniston, Barrow Creek, Gun, Gun There were hundreds of murders that are not listed anywhere in the history books. This is the situation that we have inherited here. We can't undo the past. We can't go back and make Gun Gun not happen. But the consequences are still with us. How do we move forward? I don't have any answers. I have no idea. There are many programs, many government initiatives, there's all sorts of people trying to do stuff. A lot of them don't seem to be working. What can we do? We can learn from Israel. First, we seek direction from the Lord. That's not a cop out. That's not a glib answer. That is what Israel failed to do in this situation. And It's what often we fail to do too. We look at a situation and we think, I know what we need to do. Let's do this. How often do we turn to the Lord and stop and just say, Lord, what do you want? What is your way forward? Too often we rely on our own wisdom. Too often we're rushing in with our great ideas to stop and actually think, what would God have us do now? And the second thing we can do is live as Christ commands. Live out what James calls religion that is pure. Live out Christ's love in our daily lives, in our actions, in the way we make decisions while remaining untainted by a world we live in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know the situation here in Alice a lot better than we do. Lord, you grieve far more than we do. Lord, I pray that we, as your people here in Alice, would turn to you, that we would pray honestly and earnestly seeking your direction. Lord, we pray that you would give us something, that you would show us your plan for this town. I pray that you would help us, your people, to bring healing to this troubled land. Amen.